You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast and have a guest, uh, Olivia Dolphin, uh, artist. I discovered Olivia uh, in the University of Rhode Island Magazine, uh, an alma mater of mine, and where uh, Olivia had uh, gone to school. Um, she does a journal. She's a fantastic artist. I just found out about her, and uh, we're, we're chatting here. We're also going to have a, a, a song by Olivia as well. Uh, Olivia, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Ken. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here and happy we were able to connect through uh, something that we both have in common. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're reaching you from the great, great, great city of Providence, Rhode Island, uh, home of art and music and, and, and wonderful things in the small state of Rhode Island. But starting out first, were you born, when, when you were born, were you an artist? Uh... That's such an interesting question. I'm sure everybody, I should have listened to what other people were going to say about this on your podcast. They should have <laughs> cheated. Um, I do think that I had some artistic m- motivations when I was born. My father is a musician casually like he loves to play the guitar and he is really amazing he's a kind of an improver and that is absolutely something that I think I inherited from him even though I had to like you know you work at it and things like that but you kind of have these predispositions to certain things so my dad can just pick up a guitar and like kind of find some chords that he likes and then he'll like make a song out of them and that is absolutely how I approach my own songwriting um so I do think I was an artist when I was born. I always had a big imagination. I was always writing stories and uh, and, and just loved the arts more. But I don't know if it was because I was so bad at math that <laughs> I had to be an artist. You know, yeah. like I definitely was born bad at math. I don't think that that was anything my brain could ever have overcome. So I don't know what was first like was I just more artistic and then the math stuff didn't come or like was I so bad at math that I had to overcompensate and have a better imagination I could not understand math at all so um yeah so that's kind of that's where I stand I, I do think that I was I was born into it a little bit yeah and I could have asked you were you a mathematician when you were born you say hell hell's hell's to the no no <laughs> No. no, I absolutely was not. I I think I was born bad at math. That's for sure. Um, uh, so I, I mentioned a, a couple uh, pieces of your creativity. Uh, one of the pe- one of the pieces that was featured um, uh, in the University of Rhode Island magazine that I mentioned uh, had to do with um, some of the literary uh, work you do in in, in um, a literary journal. Um, I was wondering if you could kind of take a launch off from that and tell tell listeners like what you do at the journal what it's trying to capture and other people involved yeah absolutely i would love to so i run a literary magazine called wizards in space and we are a printed book we're a collection of all different writers and artists and so we do publish like fiction and we publish poetry but we also publish like short form illustrations and comics which is really awesome so we run the gamut 
So we probably publish about 25 creators per book in each book, just to, to print a little picture in, your, in everybody's brains. Each book is about 150 pages. So it's a thick, it's kind of thick. Yeah. Um, and it was really important to me when thinking about why I wanted to run a literary magazine, which like is not always what people like say they're going to do. Like, oh, I can't wait to start a literary magazine. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Something really captured me about um, taking the taking the spotlight and turning it around and saying, okay, so we love authors like J.K. Rowling. Um, you know, I'm really into John Green. His books are really amazing. And I was kind of part of this tight knit community called the Harry, the Harry Potter <laughs> community. It's not <laughs> called the Harry Potter community. It just is. Um, and so growing up, I was like, so enamored with so many different big name artists. And as I got a little older, I started to say, okay, well, these artists had to get their start somewhere. So what if I can find people when they're just starting out and kind of harness that energy and harness that power and put it together in one literary magazine? Um, so that was kind of where the idea was born from. And so the, the name Wizards in Space comes from a love of not only magic and wizards, but creating space for people to kind of be their creative selves. Um, so we pay all the creators that are featured in the magazine. And that was also something that was really, really important to our philosophy going into building a magazine is that we wanted to be a paying market because I just don't think people are paid enough for their art. Um, and we really just wanted to like say that out loud and say, hey, if we're going to buy your work so we can also profit off of it, then, you know, we're going to make sure that you get what what's due to you. Um, so that's kind of like the basis of it. And then I do have a staff. There's, um, there's, I never, I'm bad at numbers. So there's either five or six of us <laughs> with myself included or not. Um, but we have an editorial staff and then other people that also dip into um, like other things like running our social media, um, connecting with the authors, doing all the editorial work. Um, I'm on the partnership side of things. So I love finding other artists to work with and do events and things like that. And so we just like to span all sorts of things. So we do events, we do workshops, we do open mics, and then we have like our main like flagship thing, which is the printed book. Yeah, that's it, it's so exciting to hear about that. And like you said at the beginning, you know, literary, you think editing and things like that. It's it doesn't come off with that pizzazz. But I think when you talk about the content, uh, what you put together from from various folks in the different forms and medium, and honestly, given the respect of the of the volume of honoring that, that art. Um, I really think that's pretty amazing. I know doing the podcast, uh, entering to and kind of coming in contact with the artistic community. And plus I'm, uh, an organizer by profession for, for, for quite some time, uh, quickly became apparent and, and fascinating the things that people had to say and how they put it together, having conversations with people who did something significant, but then don't talk about it anymore and wondering why. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just so exciting to read about your project. I look forward to, um, to getting further into it. And God, I love printed mm -hmm. books too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, well. That was so important to me for it to be printed. And um over time, we, you know, we've begun printing on recycled paper, which is really cool. Um, and I, I just wanted somebody to either be able to be published in the book and then to, to be able to hand it to somebody and say, look, look what I'm in, look what I'm part of, look what I got acknowledged for. 
or for friends to share with friends to say, hey, there's a story or a poem in this magazine. Like, I want you to, you know, I, I want to share it with you and then to be able to give it as a gift or to loan it out or whatever. And then I remember one time I went over to a friend's house and he had Wizards in Space there. And he did a house show and there was another artist there, another writer, and he had one of his literary magazines. So he literally out of his own bookshelf gave me and his friends each other's work and said, you guys should get to know each other. And then that person kind of started coming to some of the open mics I was running and, and you know, and we've been able to, to maintain like community that way. And I don't know if online things always have, that same tan tangible nature to build community. They certainly do. As somebody that grew up on the internet and grew up on Harry Potter forums, of course, um, of course they do, but there's always, it's always nice when it transcends, you know, the internet and you can get, you know, literally give it away. Yeah. I see a general trend with art right now. I'm sure you've observed of, of, of a deep desire. I know it's tied to the pandemic and digital for physical media. So I, I find it really interesting how people mm -hmm. are like, I want it. Like I want the yeah. thing, whatever anybody's choice is. It's just, a, it, I've seen it develop as a market of the thing. Mm -hmm. Like I want it. Um, I, uh, I, uh, also, uh, discovered, um, that, that you are a musician. Um, and, uh, one of the thrills I have on the show is in talking to artists, just hearing about the different things, uh, that you, you that you create we uh have a track i'm going to play in, in in just a little bit but i was uh wondering in in you talking about um your background and your family and your dad about uh, music so you've been around it so when did when did that become part of your your, your you know your art your art life yeah um very simply i i have two very early memories of being attracted to music or some some very early memories. I remember my dad would play Vivaldi's Four Seasons um, in the house sometimes, and I was like just drawn to it in in that way that you can't explain. Um, and so I think maybe hearing that at a young age like probably imprinted on me. And then my mom um, really wanted a piano. Like I'm, I'm not sure. I'll have to ask her more about it. But I'm not sure where this desire came from. But she had a big birthday coming up, and my dad was like, "What do you want?" She's like, "I want to learn how to play the piano. I want to be able to sit and do something." And it was, it was that same thing that we were just talking about. Of like, I think she wanted to find a physical hobby, um, and we got a piano. And having that instrument in the house, and then having an instrument in the house that's like always there, where you can just go to it, sit down, and pick it up, and like and play, sit and play. I think that that just infused in me like from a young age as well that like music will always be there and it's it's something that you can just like sit and create um just by plunking on some keys um but then also just in elementary school you know when you're in like second grade you start to play the recorder and a lot of music education when you're young is all about exploration and just like hitting xylophones and i just loved it and so I just kind of naturally like always wanted to pick up instruments. Um, and so like the recorder, my jam back then, and yeah. then that moved to the violin and the violin was not my jam. Although I do have some regrets about not sticking with it. I played for like a year when I was in second grade. And then in third grade, this woman came in and she did a demonstration of all the instruments and was like, here's the instruments that you can choose to play. 
And she played the trumpet, she played the trombone, she played the clarinet, and then she played the flute. And I just like could not believe that this sound was so beautiful. Yeah. And that she could play it so well. And I just was like, I that I want to do yeah. that. That's yeah. my thing. And then, you know, and so I picked up the flute, I think, in third grade or fourth grade, and I've been playing ever since. That's incredible. I, uh, yeah, and just, it, it always seems, when I talk to musicians, it always seems like it'd be a little bit of accident about everything that happens. I mean, artists in general, but, um, you know, the instrument that's laying around or that moment that you listen to something like, okay, that sound, mm-hmm. I'm going to make that sound. Like, teach me mm-hmm. how to make that sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting how, I don't know, like, it's the same thing that I think about of like why somebody likes broccoli and why somebody doesn't like broccoli. I mean, I like broccoli and it, it's a tough vegetable to like. I do get that. But like, how come some people <laughs> like like that or they love chickpeas or they like, you know, Italian spices and somebody's like, no, not for me. Like, I just I really felt like that way with the flute where it was just like like I just honed it in and beelined and was like I, that I want that like that sound is so beautiful I want to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. I um I'm going to play uh the track uh Magic. I'm going to play it right now and then, Yes, uh, which has after- nothing which has no flute on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we didn't even set up that segue at all. We did not. <laughs> No, what? I was like, wow, these people are going to be, maybe we should just let them be blown away. I don't know. If, if, if you're dreaming of flutes now, uh, it'll be a little bit of a different. Um, a little different. A little different. But we're going to play uh, Olivia uh, Dolphin's tra- um, um, track uh, Magic right now. We'll be back in just a tiny bit. Think that it's magic. I know that we're magic. I know, I know that we're magic. I know, I know that we're magic. 
Olivia. I, um, uh, talking on this show all the time, magic's coming up all the time. Like (laughs) when you talk, when you you talk about art and I love, I, I, I love that, but you know, cause we're talking about like, you know, Western historical philosophical questions maybe. And I've had some guests that are just saying, you know, the ultimate explanation isn't quite there, you know, that there's something, uh, incredible and magical, uh, about it. Thank you. Thank you uh, for the song. I understand you recently played uh, live. You had a live performance recently. I just did my first live full band show um, here in Providence at a venue called Dusk. It was awesome. Um, we, we played that song and we a bunch of others and I've been working on an album, but um, to play a show with people there to enjoy and to connect and to be able to tell my story to, and to kind of get some energy back in response. Like it was just awesome. And it was awesome to work with other musicians. It was, you know, there was a couple other bands that played that night. And we also, um, I'm big on spoken word poetry, obviously, you know, running the literary magazine. And so the night was sponsored by wizards in space, but also by my, my record label pitch and prose. And we always do these collaborative events. And so it's really important for me to have, like poets there to like tell stories. And so the night just was like kind of this awesome, like variety show kind of vibe. And it was just really cool. Yeah. And even off the, you know, the, the, the track itself, you can just feel that you feel that energy coming off of that. And I can actually envision, you know, with the live performance and, um, you know, I, I enjoy one of the things, again, with the show coming in contact with poets, you know, I've always loved poetry on and off getting more into it, but, um, you know, poets and, and, and musicians, and actually the, the most recent episode of the podcast is a music variety episode, you know, so I've had an eclectic taste in music and it's always kind of interesting to put something together. That's like my playlist. I don't know who appeals to, but it was the shows, it was kind of the show's playlist. So we had, um, you know, some uh, doom metal. We had a soprano uh, performance um, at the end of the episode. We had a couple covers and um, uh, some music from an Irish Irish singer and poet. So um, uh, keep a lookout. We'd love to have, um, you know, one of your tracks on there as well. Um, uh, so uh, music episode 110 in... Uh, <laughs> And and what we'll, we'll, and Olivia and I will chat afterwards. We'll try to make sure she's in music episode number two. I would love that. Um, question: uh, We've been talking about art. We're loosely throwing around that term uh, through the course of this conversation. What is art? This was one one of the, qu- the questions that you and like sent to me beforehand, and I haven't. This is the one that I was like, "What is art?" and this might sound hokey or cheesy or campy, but art to me is connection and art is storytelling. Um, so if you can do any of those things, whether it's connection to yourself or connection to somebody else or to other people or whatever, like it doesn't have to be um, an external thing. You're not always with art looking for external validation. So I think you can connect to nature, yourself, other people, Whatever, but art art to me is 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 that bridge to connection. Yeah, and talk a lot about connection and um, uh, communication. Um, 
I appreciate uh, your definition, Art. I wanted to ask a follow-up question. So, you know, you're an artist and you produce some art and, and, and you put it out into the world. What is the role of art, you know, like for us as humans? I mean, you said communication. I don't want to anticipate that's your full answer, mm -hmm. but what is the, what is the appropriate or, I don't know, appropriate, but what is the role of art in human society? I think sometimes art can act as like a, like a mirror or a funhouse mirror and it really can, you know, art, I think, can challenge people in a really good way uh, where you might challenge your assumptions or you might challenge, like, some of your internal beliefs um, because you might see art that can change your opinion, can inform you differently. Um, but I also think art can calm and art can let you know that you're not alone. And I think that you know, I, in my personal life and with Wizards in Space, like, I try to find that balance with what we're publishing or what we're engaging with is, like, we want to challenge people, but we also want them to know that it's a safe space for them to come and, like, feel their feelings. So I think that that kind of is the role of art, or at least it's the role that I've assigned to the art that I create, um, where I just am having a feeling, and I am probably not the only person having that feeling, and if I put it out in the world and somebody hears it or reads it and they, they felt something similar, they felt heard or they felt seen, then I think that that's amazing. And if not, then at least I got the feeling out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, um, to, to, to not, to not forget our connections to the university of Rhode Island and to actually give you, to tell you like in a certain sense, like we're part of this podcast, um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about our connection uh, to the University of Rhode Island, where we both went to school. Okay. And I want to mention a particular kind of strange kernel of this show. Um, back when I was a student in finishing uh, my studies at the University of Rhode Island, I took a philosophy of art course with Cheryl Foster, who's an award-winning professor in the philosophy department. And a lot of those questions I thought throughout my life had just remained dormant. And then going to do a podcast that was based on those philosophical questions, I've always felt like all the way back going to the University of Rhode Island and me doing these questions now. I also had the distinct pleasure of teaching, uh, being a professor at the URI um, for a philosophy course, um, which was another great opportunity in my life to do some, you know, some, some aspect of, of, of myself. So, um, love the University of Rhode Island, beautiful campus, um, a great school. What, uh, what, what about you in developing your art, um, at the university? What was that environment like? And just a little follow-up to that, um, Providence in, in, in the arts of there, but starting at the University of Rhode Island, how did you feel, your art came together or developed during your, your time there? Yeah, it's so interesting. So when I went to URI, I enrolled as a music education major, and then that lasted for a semester before I realized that. I just, I personally don't have the teaching bug. I love to mentor, but I don't have that, like, stand up in front of a classroom and teach kind of vibe. And a lot of my friends are teachers, and shout out to them. They've had a rough two years. Um, but, uh, so, but I went into flute performance and I thought that maybe I would make a living with flute performance. And then also very quickly with flute performance, I just realized 
like, oh, I love playing the flute, but I don't love it in the way that I would need to love it to make it sustainable, a sustainable living. And so now I'm at the University of Rhode Island and I'm like, okay, so music teaching didn't work out and like being a flute teacher isn't going to work out and playing the flute for a living isn't going to work out for me personally. It's not that these things are unachievable. It just like wasn't vibing with me. And so I said, okay, I got to pick up something else. So I picked up a writing and rhetoric major while I was there. And that major, I don't know if it was a, a if it was available when you were there, but that major was very interesting where you could study all different types of writing. So you could study travel writing, you could study like essay writing. And then more importantly, you could study like rhetoric and rhetoric was kind of the, the application of philosophy in a way where you're making points and you're, you're supporting them and, and you're figuring out how to storytell in a, in a persuasive way. Um, and that education more than anything like really kind of just had me hone into like the, 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 the way of storytelling, I think. Um, and then other, otherwise too, like obviously like working as a music major, it, it's, it's intense to be a music major is so intense. So to stick with the music, you know, track, and then to also kind of add a couple things onto it. I just um, like, you have to, kind of know know yourself and know your know your limits and know what you're capable of um but it just absolutely the beauty of uri so if there's any prospective students listening the beauty of uri is that you can bounce around and do a couple things and graduate within four or five years i did five years there's no shame in it um and i was able to really explore some passion so i thought i was going to graduate with a classics minor as well so i was really into greek mythology so even though i didn't graduate with that degree i took a lot of classics courses and like that's just another avenue into storytelling um and the myths and the magic of of, of greek mythology you know and i could kind of like all of these things that you're doing for five years are in your brain and i think it's what you said where I think that the fault of colleges is that they want you to process these things in like four or five years. But man, 10 years later, I'm, I'm just now getting some of the things that I was taught then. Like it, it had to marinate for like 10 years. And now I'm like, oh, like I get it now. Or like I get what that professor was trying to say. Um, so I really just like owe a lot, I think, to, to my professors and everything at, at URI for like being patient with me and letting me explore. Yeah, that's uh, and um, I was uh, just jotting down from from my recollection is we've had um, connecting to the University of Rhode Island. Uh, professor of mine, Mary Capello, has been a guest. Um, gosh, um, huge influence on me. And um, Buell Thomas who um, uh, took philosophy courses with me. He's also a musician in, in the Bronx. And one, two of his cover tracks are actually on the music episode. And uh, Dave Varespi uh, uh, from the University of Rhode Island, Rhode Island around the time that I went is a photographer. So, and now we have you. Olivia Dolphin. Yeah. From Little Rhodey. Hey, that's, that's, the way it, that's the way it happens from Little Rhodey. So, yeah. Um, uh, got a got an additional question, uh, another bigger question, um, and you might have got at this a little bit, but I, I always ask it: What or who made you who you are? 
Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I want to, there's so many things running through my head right now. Rapid fire thoughts, um, growing up on the internet. So the internet, um, Harry Potter was a big part of my childhood. Um, the magic tree house, like reading, like, so like books, um, in general, not just Harry Potter, but I think, I think in this case, I, I do want to give a big shout out to my parents. I was very fortunate to come from a family that just allowed exploration. Like they did not, my parents did not force their own beliefs on me in any way. And they, if I said I was interested in something, they took that seriously as a child and said, okay, we're going to foster that. So like, I remember, like I wanted to be a librarian. And so my mom like still talks about that to this day. She's like, I remember when you wanted to be a librarian and you just loved to read and you were reading all the time. And like, if I loved, like I loved magic, I loved fairies. I loved all that stuff. So um, my mom like fostered that, you know, I really do have to talk a little bit about my parents because I was fortunate to come from people that um, like valued my curiosity as a child and fostered it. And so if I was into reading, which I was, and I was like wanted to be a librarian, like really young, like my mom just fostered that. And so she would buy me books. Like my mom was the one that took, like brought Harry Potter into the house and said, I think you might like this. And then when I did like it, she was the one that was like, let's go to the midnight releases. Like, let's take you to the red carpet premieres. Like let's foster this love. Um, and the same thing with music, like they put me in lessons, they pushed me to be good at things, but not, not in a, not in an aggressive way. So like they wanted me to be good at it because they knew I wanted to be good at it and they saw me putting in the work. So they, they did that. Um, so I, I really would, you know, I want to give a shout out to good old mom and dad here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I, I mentioned the theme in recent episodes, we keep bumping into, um, a lot of conversations about, you know, kids and whether it's cultivated, we talked about the education system, you know, if you're an artist, when you're born, when is that knocked out of you or when is it uh, accelerated? Um, and obviously the issues of, you know, whether you're a person of color, you're a woman, um, and, and other issues as far as whether somebody's going to say to you, yeah, play that song. Yeah. Tap away at that piano and those drums. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's an important thing to, to, to point out. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, I got the, the, the conceptual questions again, I, I've hit you with a few when we talk about life and otherwise, but, um, there's the, there's the big question that I do want to ask, which is, um, why is there something rather than nothing? Mm. Wow. Does everybody take like the big deep breaths after you ask this question? Like- let's talk about this question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, and most guests have read it and most guests have like, here's my theory. Most guests read the question and say, he ain't going to ask me that. Even though it's in the <laughs> title of the show. I don't like, I know it's the name of the show, but I don't think he's really going to go ahead 
and 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 ask me that. And I believe when I asked it recently of a guest, Larissa Birdseye, it might have been this question. She called me a bastard. To you know, after I said it. So, um, it was this question or another one. But uh, yeah, yeah, there is a deep pause. There is a deep breath, and then you try to get at maybe one of the bigger questions ever. Why is there something rather than nothing? I. Right now, I keep thinking about this documentary I watched recently called Fantastic Fungi, and it's on Netflix, and it's all about mushrooms and magic mushrooms and the, my, I'm going to say it wrong, the mycela that lives, like, that grows underneath the surface, and I don't know, it was a very humbling documentary to watch where I felt like I left it different, like, I watched it and I said, oh, I'm just part of this ecosystem, like sometimes I think I can live my life like I'm a main char- like I'm the main character, and I, and I think everybody's entitled to that. Like we're all writing our own stories, and I think I think we're entitled to that. But it, but I do try to take a step back and like understand that every single person I'm talking to is living their own story and they're living their own experiences, and they can be drastically different than mine. And all of this is to say, I think there's something rather than nothing. Uh, because we're meant to learn from each other, I think. And we're meant to connect to each other, even if it's to nature and to the mushrooms and <laughs> the fungus that lives under the earth. Or um, the experience that the experiences that we're having, I think they're meant to be shared. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably why I'm so drawn to telling stories and collecting those stories into a book and, you know, publishing music and turning my poems into art and things like that. Because if, if there is, if this is the something, then I want to do something with it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's why there's something so we can do something with it. Yeah. I found recently, uh, like just on the sense of like, you know, what to do in the, like the world situation and the pandemic, I felt like, just a greater immediacy around some of these questions and creating art. And, and I've also seen two like kind of reactions to the world. One is being like, stop beating on me world. Like, let me get away. We all feel that. And, and the other part too is amongst like this change and chaos and complete poss- possible, complete structural changes in society that the artist is just trying to like breathe and like get that out there and have more immediacy and uh, mm-hmm. it's a big thing for creatives to to handle because we can say that the conditions don't seem super for being at peace in or whatever mm-hmm. you know your process is and if somebody's theory is to create out of chaos then now's the time right yeah. Yeah and I think that there's something I've been thinking a lot about um you know especially with the pandemic some people have created a lot and some people have not created as much, you know, and I think that like creativity has its seasons and one of those, like the cycle of it is you intake a lot in your life. So you intake all of these experiences and as artists, I think we do a lot of noticing. And so to output, you have to let all of the noticing process, and then you can kind of form it into something, whatever it is. For me, it's poetry. And then I take bits of those poetry and turn them into songs. And then, you know, and then you put it out there. But you have to have that, you have to have that noticing first. And sometimes that can take months, that can take years. 
and then you know and then maybe you'll have like a rush of output um and and i, I so i just so I, I guess that that's just a little like thought bucket for somebody to take away is that you know if you feel like you should be outputting some art like it's okay like maybe you're in your intake season and you should embrace that um and then let the outtake you know you know the output come come from that yeah. so yeah i um I, uh, I know you have um, a, f- a few different um, types of art and there might be different places to, to, find, to find your stuff. Can you let the listeners know whether it's music or, or getting copies or ordering the magazine? Or Can you let um, the listeners know where to find Olivia Dolphin and the things you work on? Yeah. Okay. Let me run it down. So um, the most important thing... I think, well, it's all important, but Wizards in Space Literary Magazine, you can find us at wizardsinspacemag.com. And right now we are working on our seventh issue. So we have chosen all of our creators, but um, but we need the funds to make this happen. So we're doing a pre-order campaign right now. And then there's also this ability to sponsor a creator. So if you want to know that you directly made an impact on getting somebody paid, then we have the ability for you to sponsor a creator. But more importantly than that, like the book, issue seven is our theme was bridges and barriers and we got some amazing art on it and i we're publishing authors from like 15 different countries or something wild like that like it's we publish internationally and a lot of our writers are international as, as as well so it's it's really a beautiful collection and i think bridges and barriers right now like people really responded to that theme Um, so wizardsinspacemag.com and then to find me personally you can find me at Libidol, l-i-v-i-d-o-l on instagram and twitter please connect with me i love chatting with people and meeting other artists and people that are interested in art um and then that's probably the best place to find my music but my label is pigeon pros they're a providence-based label um so you can find some of my stuff on pigeon pros and we're currently recording my first ep um, which is going to be a collection of songs that I wrote and I'm really excited. So definitely keep an eye on the pitch and pros pages as well to keep up with my, the music side of things. That's, that's, that's awesome. That sounds so great. And an EP sounds, um, it just sounds really, um, really super as well. Um, I, uh, the, I'm going to be creating, um, the podcast first zine issue. So I've really connected to, kind of the way you've organized things and are talking about collating those type of uh, experience. And one of the things you mentioned, the international component, I found that to be personally so exciting as a creator, because when I started the podcast, I didn't know, you know, kind of like who you would talk to or where my mind would go. And approximately 25%, maybe more of the, all the episodes are from uh, other nations. Um, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the guests, including, um, indigenous nations, uh, within North America, but, you know, um, uh, Europe and, you know, and other continents in Australia. So not, ex- not expecting that, but the way to collate around art and, and collect uh, folks around art, um, is, is really exciting. And so I really appreciate mm-hmm. your comments around some of the things that you've done because, um, 
coming in uh, September 2021 here. We're going to have that first issue, and I'll make sure you get a copy of the first zine. And like, so uh, cool. Yeah. So, um, uh, really great to hear about the opportunities for listeners and myself to um, support your art. But I wanted to thank you for the things that you do, and also thank, gosh, your URI magazine for me out in. Uh, Oregon to to read about you and the the cool stuff that you're doing. Um, shout out to University of Rhode Island, uh, Providence, and uh, mm-hmm. always love to do a show um, uh, with uh, the greatest little state, as they as, as they call it. So, um, thank you so much, uh, Olivia. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Ken. This was a really interesting conversation. I didn't know what to expect, which I left. I did that on purpose because I, I like to, you know, see what's going to happen and be open-minded. And so, you know, I I kind of, like, didn't want to have any preconceived notions, even with my own thoughts on, on some of the really amazing questions you've asked. So I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and connect with everybody that's listening. And, you know, please, you know, reach out, everybody, and, like, let's let's keep the conversation going and talk about art like i love this so much yeah awesome and and uh, here's for more uh, live safe live shows and here's for um that that ep and that uh uh wonderful uh wonderful uh new issue of um uh wizards wizards in space um and uh so and in the title of that most recent one that was barriers and bridges Bridges and barriers. Yeah. It's our theme. So, you know, the, the writing will kind of like encapsulate that. And sometimes the theme, you know, sometimes the nail gets hit on the head and sometimes it's, you know, you can kind of like leave your own connection, but it's just a way for us to, to make a cohesive collection with, with some of the amazing submissions that, that we get. So awesome. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Olivia. Hold down the fort in the art world in, uh, (laughs) Providence and, uh, my gosh, we probably still have a bunch to talk about, so I'm sure we're going to chat again soon. I would, lo- I would love that. Yeah, I feel like it would be amazing to, to keep this conversation going. Thanks, Olivia, and uh, talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much.